We're just over a month away from the starts of fall camp. Maybe a month and some change, but it's getting closer, right? And close your eyes and it'll be here before you know it. What are the national publications? Where are they ranking Tennessee entering the 2023 season? A top 10 selection or a top 10 preseason pick by one publication. Who is it? That and a whole lot more here on your Thursday Locked On Balls. You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good Thursday, everybody. Welcome into it. Locked on Vols, and I am Eric Kane. At underscore Kaner is where you can find me on Twitter and at Locked on Vols. Appreciate you guys for being here and you everydayers for coming back each and every day. Uh, can't do this show without you where we build the shows in the offseason, so I really, really do appreciate all you guys. Got a fun show coming up here today. Uh, segment one, we're going to spend uh, kind of looking at where Tennessee's ranked in, certain, in terms of some of the, the uh, publications nationally. Uh, Athlon Sports put out their preseason top 25. Pro Football Focus put out their top 25 a couple days ago. Where are Tennessee ranked in those rankings? Plus, the first annual, hilarious, I love that phrase, right? It's totally incorrect. The first annual ACC-SEC challenge in basketball. Tennessee squaring off against Carolina. I've got some thoughts on that. That's in segment one. And then in segments two and three, we're going to catch up with the host of Locked On Bulldogs, Daniel Monroe. And he's going to tell us all about Georgia this spring, kind of the outlook for the Bulldogs. And obviously, that's going to be a big-time matchup, Tennessee's biggest matchup, arguably, on the schedule, at least in the SEC East. It definitely is. Um, could be uh, the SEC East Championship, if you will. We're going to learn all about Georgia this spring, heading into the new year with Daniel Monroe of Locked On Bulldogs. That's coming up in segments two and three. All right. Appreciate you guys, as always, for subscribing to the show on Locked On Balls, the YouTube channel, and wherever you get your podcast. This is Locked On Balls, your first listen each and every day. Uh, Athlon Sports put out his top 25 yesterday, and it has Tennessee coming in at number 15 in its preseason rankings. That is the fourth highest team in the Southeastern Conference. You've got Georgia at one. Alabama is at number two, according to Athlon Sports. You've got LSU at number six. And then Tennessee comes in at number 15. Some other notables from the SEC and the Athlon Top 25 preseason rankings. You have AM at 20, Ole Miss at 21. So not a whole lot of SEC love in these preseason rankings from Athlon, but Tennessee is considered a top 15 pick or a top 15 team heading into the 2023 season, according to Athlon Sports. If you're wondering what that top 10 looks like, it's Georgia at 1, Michigan at 2, Alabama at 3, USC at 4, Ohio State at 5, LSU at 6, Florida State, the darling of the offseason, right? It's there at number 7, Penn State is at 8, Washington's at 9, Utah's at 10, and we'll just go ahead and go down to Tennessee. 11 is Texas, 12 is Clemson, 13 is Oregon, 14 is Notre Dame, and then 15 is Tennessee right in front of Oklahoma, which comes in at number 16. So uh, that's what the Athlon Sports rankings look like. What about the pro football focus preseason rankings? A lot of you guys don't like PFF. That's fine. Uh, PFF doesn't like Tennessee a lot of times, I feel like, but PFF likes Tennessee heading into, heading into the 2023 season. Tennessee coming in at number nine, a top 10 preseason ranking. This is the highest that I've seen so far this offseason, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the highest that I've seen so far heading into the season, and there'll be some more you know polls that'll come out. But Tennessee comes in at number nine, still the fourth highest SEC team, though. 
Georgia's at one. Alabama is at number two. LSU is at number eight, right in front of Tennessee. And then the Volunteers are at number nine. Other SEC teams, according to Pro Football Focus, in their top 25, you've got Arkansas at 18, Kentucky at 19, Florida, yikes, at 20, South Carolina at 22, and Mississippi State at 23. And, of course, you know Pro Football Focus uh, they do things a little bit differently, um, but this is their rankings coming into uh, the 2023 season with, of course, Georgia sitting at the top. We'll learn more about Georgia here in just a moment. Um, it uses its ELO rankings. That's kind of how Pro Football Focus does theirs. A lot of returning production, kind of like the ESPN, not exactly like the ESPN uh, metrics, but um, you know, kind of uh, factoring in returning production is big for, for Pro Football Focus and Though Tennessee lost a lot, it's still returning a lot, and that's coming in at number nine. Uh, look at the top ten overall. Georgia's at one. Alabama's at two. Ohio State is at three. Michigan is at number four. Texas is at five. Clemson is at six. Penn State is at seven. LSU is at eight. Tennessee's at nine. And USC is at number ten. As you can tell, uh, the pro football focus rankings greatly differ from that of uh, Athlon Sports. And I, I would imagine that pro football focus – is going to look a lot different from the majority of the national plaudits. But this is kind of where I thought Tennessee would be. I think Tennessee will be a preseason top 20 team. I'm not sure if Tennessee will be a top 10 team. But anywhere from you know 17-18 to 12-13 is kind of where I see Tennessee. So, uh, of course, the Volunteers coming at number 9 here to Pro Football Focus. Uh, and uh, number 15, according to Athlon, that's kind of on par with, with what I see. All right, let's shift gears here. Um, let's go to the hardwood. Um, I, you know, we knew that the ACC SEC challenge was going to start and be a thing, but when the games were announced on Wednesday, it was like first annual, first annual. Here's, here's, I'm not the smartest guy out there. I mean, I couldn't even pronounce the former Michigan quarterback's name yesterday on the show. You remember, uh, but annual means it happens every year. You can't have first annual or you can't have second annual annual should start at three at year three. <laughs> second annual that that doesn't work first annual that doesn't work it should just be uh, here's the tip-off for the brand new sec acc challenge and then next year should be the second edition of the sec acc challenge and then in year three it should be the annual sec acc challenge i think they're branding it the other way acc sec but anyway um i just i just i think that's funny but a uh, nice little draw here for tennessee right uh tennessee is going to be on the road, going to Chapel Hill, and will take on the Tar Hills on Wednesday, November 29th at 7.15. I would imagine that's going to be uh, on ESPN. Okay, yeah, it's going to be on ESPN for sure. But, um, yeah, that, that's a pretty good draw for Tennessee. Lady Vols on the other side, they will go Wednesday, November 29th as well at 5 o'clock. Uh, Notre Dame will travel to Thompson Bowling Arena and take on the Lady Vols. So a little doubleheader. Uh, for the ACC-SEC Challenge here. Lady Vols at 5 on the 29th of November uh, against Notre Dame, and then Tennessee in the nightcap on the road in Chapel Hill against the Tar Heels at 7-15. So that should be exciting. You look at the other games, and i got to be honest with you, the ACC, you know, me, when I was growing up, the ACC was the best you know conference in college basketball, hands down. It wasn't even close. I mean, it was close, but um, the ACC was really, really good. And there's still some teams there. I mean, there's still some good teams, but – uh, the parity uh, in the sport is, is kind of all over the place, right? Um, there's not a whole lot of good matchups, to be completely honest with you. Like Kentucky gets Miami. I guess that's a pretty good matchup, right? Kentucky gets Miami. Um, I mean, 
you know, Alabama, Clemson, they're, they're playing. Um, uh, you know, uh, the, the the top two matchups, no matter what. I mean, Wake Forest and Florida might be something. I, I don't know. The best two matchups, hands down, is Tennessee at, at uh, UNC and Duke at Arkansas. And Tennessee just played Duke. I get it. But Tennessee played Carolina recently as well. We'll get to that in a moment. Um, but I, I thought it would be really, really cool if Tennessee were to travel to Cameron Indoor Stadium and play the Blue Devils in Durham. But they're going to go to you know just eight miles down Tobacco Road and, and take on UNC. But the two best games in this, at least for year one, at least on paper, in my opinion, Tennessee at Carolina and Duke at Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas, that, that game with Duke is going to be at 9-15, so it'll be uh, two hours after the start. I very easily could be a doubleheader there. With Tennessee starting first, and then the nightcap would be the, the Duke-Arkansas game. So we'll see exactly what it looks like. So that that's kind of what it looks like for the, wait for it, first annual ACC-SEC Challenge. Uh, Rick Barnes, obviously he's no stranger to Carolina. Faced them annually, played them annually when he was the head coach at Clemson. And, man, he would get into some some fights with, with Dean Smith, right? I mean, they would verbally just assault each other all the time and sometimes go after each other. And it got so bad at one point in time, the ACC commissioner called them both in the office and said, all right, sit down. You guys got to cut it out, right? <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, so Barnes is no stranger to Carolina, having coached in the ACC and at Clemson for years. And he's played Carolina once, I believe, I think just one time since being in Tennessee. And it was at uh, it was at Chapel Hill during the 2016-2017 season where Tennessee fell 73-71. So if my memory serves me correct, that is the last time Tennessee's played Carolina. Uh, but anyway, you look at this pre-conference schedule for Tennessee, the basketball team is pretty sharp, right? Of course, you pick up Carolina and the ACC-SEC Challenge. That's November the 29th. You're going to play Wisconsin uh, in the Maui Invitational. You are playing Illinois. You're hosting Illinois. You're playing NC State in that neutral site game in, uh, in San Antonio. That's in the middle of December. So uh, that's a pretty, pretty strong non-conference slate for Tennessee basketball. And Rick Barnes loves challenging out of the gate, being challenged out of the gate to better prepare them for what's to come in conference play. And, of course, to, to help you out in seating, but as we've seen, you know, whoever's on the committee, it's just kind of whatever they think that day, <laughs> All right? I'll do these really, really tough games in November and December mean a whole lot in the second week of March? I, I don't know. I mean, that that's a conversation for another day. I believe they do, but uh, sometimes it's been proven that the committee doesn't care. But anyway, Brick Barnes is always going to schedule tough, and that's a pretty decent little non-conference schedule that we know of so far. So, uh, yeah, segment one, uh, a couple of – Preseason rankings for Tennessee football, no surprise. Number 15 in Athlon, number 9, according to Pro Football Focus. Where do you believe Tennessee should be ranked heading into the 2023 season? I think Tennessee should be in the mid-teens. That's kind of what I'm expecting uh, from, from you know the bigger publications, the Coaches Poll, USA Today, um, all that type of stuff You know, coming up uh, in, entering the season. Hey, when we come back, we're going to catch up with Daniel Monroe, segments two and three. He's going to tell us all about Georgia, the expectations, the roster, new quarterbacks, uh, trying to find new faces on, on defense, all that and more. We're going to look ahead to the 2023 schedule, to the biggest game on that schedule for the Volunteers, 
That's a game in November at Neyland Stadium against Georgia. And host of Lockdown Bulldogs, Daniel Monroe, will help us out in previewing that game here when we come back. But hey, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at FanDuel. It's baseball season right now, and you can take your swing at the MLB and FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount and bonus bets. That's up to $2,000. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks, all right, and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. Sounds like a pretty good deal, right? That's 200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you like or who you think is going to be uh, you know, having the first home run, the run scored, Whatever the case may be, those props are out there, and they're a whole lot of fun to play. All on the app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you don't have to wait around. You get paid instantly over at FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to bet on MLB than on FanDuel. It's America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 $200, I'll say it again, $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, guys, as I said, we're going to talk about Georgia football, previewing Tennessee's 2023 opponents and uh, the biggest uh, biggest nemesis, I guess, right now in the SEC East, and it won't be that way much longer because, of course, divisions are going away, is, of course, the Georgia Bulldogs, the two-time defending national champions. And over from Locked On Bulldogs, we have Daniel Monroe. Daniel, appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Happy to, to get on and chat. Thanks for having me. All right, man. From the top rope, uh, <laughs> let me ask you a question. Um, okay. is, is, Tennessee, is Tennessee the biggest obstacle for Georgia to have a three-peat this year? Ooh. I'm going to say no, but not for the reason that you think. Uh, I think the answer is no because while Tennessee is without a doubt the toughest team on Georgia's schedule this year, the biggest obstacle to a three-peat is not yet scheduled for Georgia. It's not on Georgia's schedule at this moment. I think there's still a path to the SEC championship game and therefore – to a national cha- a college football playoff and national championship, even if Georgia loses in Knoxville. Obviously, it would require two SEC losses from um, Tennessee, with one of them not being Georgia, which maybe is an unlikely scenario. But I think there's still a path forward there, and then Georgia would have to get through Alabama or LSU in the title game. And then I think Georgia would face its biggest obstacle to a three-peat, but I think Tennessee, I think Tennessee is without a doubt Georgia's biggest obstacle to an undefeated season. Georgia's mm-hmm. biggest obstacle to um, the biggest roadblock. The only team in the SEC that could find its way to Atlanta ahead of Georgia is Tennessee. There's no question in my mind about that. And that game so late in the season, so, so much is late. going to be on the line, just like yeah. last year. So it should be, should be a whole lot of fun. Um, this might be a silly question, but I, I, I want to ask it. I mean, college football is all about turnover, and Georgia's no different. There was a lot of turnover from, you know, last year to this past year, and you went on and won another natty. Um, and, and that's what you know goes to show you what what good recruiting after good recruiting after good recruiting does. 
Um, but there's turnover. You're missing a lot of guys that you know were on that national championship, you know, winning team defensively. Missing your quarterback. The expectation in Athens um, is it is it national championship yet again? That's definitely the expectation in Athens. It's definitely national championship. I think Georgia has has found its way into that tier of program that they have been dying to be a part of for you know decades now. Um, which is the very, very small group of teams that every single year come into the season thinking, if we we're going to win the national championship this year, um, and and so that's obviously a big hurdle and a big obstacle. I think Georgia's has experienced some turnover, um, not as much turnover as they did two years ago, which I think gives Georgia fans a lot of confidence. But if Georgia fans are honest, you know, right now they are beating their chest about how we had 15 players drafted two years ago and then we went 15-0, and won a national championship, blah, blah, blah. But before last season, no honest Georgia fan would have said that they weren't nervous about that, that they weren't nervous about Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt and, and N'Kobe Dean and all of those outstanding players that they lost two years ago. I think the fact that they saw this coaching staff be able to replace them, plug in new players, and have and have not just similar but greater success in the in the upcoming season. I think that is what gives Georgia fans a lot of confidence. But you know, you lose guys like Jalen Carter, you lose guys like Keely Ringo. You these are not you lose guys like Christopher Smith, even who wasn't that high of a draft pick, but has been mm-hmm. a stalwart on the back end of that defense for season after season now. It's, it is not a small thing to replace elite talent like that. Um, I think the good thing for there's plenty of talent to go around, and it, you just have to have those guys live up to the hype, live up to the expectations, and um, there's no way to know that in with recruiting rankings. There's no way to know that mm-hmm. with high school tape. You only know if a player is going to have it or not when they take the field and they play in the SEC. And so it remains to be seen with a lot of very important positions, most notably interior defensive line and quarterback. It remains to be seen if they have it or not. Let's talk about quarterback. Um, you know, Stetson Bennett for all the jokes. And, and I talk about this on the, you know, w- when Georgia comes up and, you know, I say this on my podcast all the time. Um, you know, props to Stetson Bennett. I mean, he, he's college football legend. He really is. You know, what the story's incredible, walk on all that type of stuff, and you know, wins a natty, he's got all this confidence and all that type of stuff. However, and please tell me where I'm wrong here, I he got better and he wasn't bad, he wasn't a bad quarterback, but regardless, Georgia's getting an upgrade, you know, from a pure talent perspective at the quarterback position. Uh, you know, Carson Beck, you got Brock Vandergriff, you got Gunnar Stockton, which by the way, sidebar real quick, how what does Kirby tell all those guys to keep them on campus? I mean, what, what, why are they still there? That's a great – to keep them on campus. I really appreciate the way that you phrased that because yeah. I think the question people always ask is how does Kirby get these guys to commit to Georgia? And that's not hard because what people don't understand about elite recruits is that they believe inherently they are better than anyone else. Yeah. And Kirby just tells people kids and he's very open about this he just tells kids i promise you if you come to georgia i haven't already picked the starting quarterback you will have a chance 
to earn the job. And Stetson Bennett is the greatest proof of that that has ever existed. Five-star JT Daniels that had quote-unquote all the talent in the world is now on his fourth college team and just sort of a bouncing around journeyman. Like Stetson Bennett had the opportunity to win the job. He did win the job. And recruits see that and they think to themselves, well, I'm better than all these other guys, so I'll come. Now, why... Why have they not transferred? And I think after the spring, you still might see a Georgia quarterback transfer. So because they haven't transferred yet, I think, because Georgia hasn't named. Kirby has been honest and said, I don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be. And Georgia fans get all up in arms. And, and I think it's going to be Carson Beck. Georgia fans think it's going to be Carson Beck. I'm sure you think it's going to be Carson Beck. Mm-hmm. Carson Beck is probably the favorite to win the job. But Kirby doesn't knows he doesn't have to make those decisions yet, doesn't see any need to name a starter, and because the number one value in the Georgia football program under Kirby Smart, and this is the biggest difference between him and Mark Richt, who I love as a human being and a football coach, the number one difference is that Kirby values competition above everything else. He wants elite players competing against other elite players so that the best guy will win the job. And so you may see quarterbacks transfer out of Georgia, but as a Georgia fan, you have to, you got to trust the coaching staff and trust the system and know that like, if Brock Vandergrift decides that he wants to go somewhere else, that's fine. There's just, he wasn't the guy that won the job. And so that's, that's just, and it's going to be the same because Gunnar Stockton will be there next year. Brock may be there next year. And you got Dylan Riola coming in. You got two elite 11 quarterbacks coming in to Georgia next year. <laughs> what some of them aren't going to play, but you, if you hope as a Georgia fan, the best ones will. Yeah. I mean, there, there's, there's only one quarterback on every team. There's a couple of receivers, a lot of yeah, offensive yeah. linemen, running backs, rotation, defensive rotation, but just one quarterback. Just the one. Yeah, just the one. Uh, we'll continue asking about the Georgia offense, losing some star power, but I think this Georgia offense can be better than last year, and I want to ask Daniel about that on the other side as we preview the Georgia Bulldogs in Tennessee, that November game coming up later in the season. This is Locked on Balls. I got Daniel Monroe here. He's the host of Locked on Bulldogs as we look ahead to Tennessee's mm-hmm. opponents, 2023 schedule. The big one, the one you're going to circle coming in November, just like this past year, it's Tennessee and Georgia. And it should be a great, great atmosphere at Neyland Stadium. Uh, Daniel, we talked about the quarterback. Well, one more question about the quarterback. Um, yep. And I agree with you. I, I think Carson Beck's going to be the quarterback. You do, Georgia fans, college football fans. What can Carson Beck do better than Stetson Bennett's, um, just from a quarterback standpoint? And, you know, doesn't have the experience, doesn't have the swagger and all that. I get that'll come with playing time. But from a talent perspective, what does he do better than Stetson Bennett? It's, I mean, he's got a, he's got a better arm than Stetson Bennett. Yep. Stetson Bennett was criticized about his arm because people looked at him and said he doesn't have a great arm. And Stetson Bennett does not throw the ball with great velocity, but he does. He did throw a great deep ball. Stetson Bennett threw a very accurate deep ball, and typically in college football, you don't need to throw the ball as far as Anthony Richardson does to win football games which is why Stetson Bennett won so many football games and Anthony Richardson didn't, but I yeah. digress. You you need to be able to throw the ball accurately. Carson Beck definitely has a bigger arm. He's the least mobile of all the quarterbacks, and so that 
Stetson Bennett was much more athletic and mobile, I think, than Carson Beck. That could be a huge... The, the offensive system will need to be changed and tailored a bit to not rely on the quarterback's legs quite as much. Um, but he definitely throws a ball with more velocity. He's got the confidence to throw it into tight windows. He is more of a prototypical stand-up straight and throw the ball fast and hard quarterback, which is great. If he's making great decisions, that's great. If he's making poor decisions, that's terrible. And so I think there's there's legitimate reason to be nervous about Carson Beck because while we Georgia fans have seen him make some elite throws, we've also seen him, you know, throw pick sixes in garbage time in games that, you know, when he came in and got playing time and, you know, just throwing the ball out there towards the sideline with abs- when he had absolutely no business trying to make the throw. So decision-making, as always, is going to be paramount for him. Look at the rest of that offense. And, you know, I mentioned I think Tennessee's running back room uh, is one of the deepest rooms in the conference. And there's not there's not a Superman, at least right now, there's not a Tarzan. Uh, but there, there's there's a whole lot of good good players and experienced players. Look at George's running back room. You know, Kendall Milton's still there. <laughs> you got Edwards. I remember when Branson Robinson was a was a prospect coming on his official visit here in Knoxville. Just you know, five foot ten, two hundred forty five pounds of muscle. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and again, you continue to add to that room. So that running back room's deep, and then the receiver room. I, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. I think it got better. Obviously, you go out and get Dominic Lovett, who's a really really good player. You had Ra Ra Thomas. No, he had some off the field issues in the spring, but uh, if he's in the fold, he's a he's a great talent. You bring back uh, Rosemary Jack Saint, who I remember torched Tennessee last year. Um, it, it feels like it is skill position wise, and of course you got Brock Bowers. I didn't even mention him. George's George, George is pretty set. You just needed the ball to get in their hands. The skill positions are as good at Georgia as they've been, and you know you you subtract Ad Mitchell from the wide receiver room. He transfers to Texas. It's presumably a big loss. Um, coaching staff goes out and adds two transfers. You mentioned in Rara Thomas, who was cleared of all of his things. And I, I expect we'll see him play at Georgia. Nothing, he didn't, nothing ever came of any of that. And, um, and then Dominic Lovett, who was, who was maybe the best wide receiver on Missouri's team. And Missouri had, a, a pretty good receiving core last year, yeah. including that five-star freak kid that I can't remember his Luther name. Luther Brown. Luther, yeah. And so Luther Burden, maybe. Yeah. Bur- Burden, yeah. Luther Burden, you're right. Um, but, but Dominic Lovett is a weapon. Mm-hmm. The issue is that he plays primarily in the slot. Obviously, um, you know, Georgia has probably got more talent in the slot with Lad McConkey than it does at any other position. And so... You know, how, how are they going to be used? How are all these weapons going to be used? But it all comes back to, the I think, the tight end. Georgia's offense is built around the tight end. you got Brock Bowers. And then you obviously lose the freak, Darnell Washington, who goes to Pittsburgh. But you replace him with a guy, Oscar Delp, who's honestly cut a little bit more like Brock Bowers. He's athletic. He's, he's big, but he's not an ogre. And he's fast and quick and has great hands. And so two best pass catchers on the team might play tight end this year. And the, you know, and the third best pass catcher on the team is kind of up for grabs. But honestly, in this offense, in this system, how many pass catchers do you really need? Mm-hmm. You know, that's not, 
it's it's not like we need five guys out there running because that's not the that's not the formations. Those aren't the patterns that Georgia is going to be running. They're not going to be out there playing the air raid. Okay, obviously going to be true. You're going to have running staying in the block, but then staying in the block. You might have three tight end sets that Georgia runs a lot this year, and so I think the depth and the talent in Georgia's offensive skill positions is as good as it's been. Yeah, I would agree. It's going to be a challenge for every single team. It's going to be a challenge for Tennessee's defense no matter what. Um, you look at Georgia's defense as we kind of wrap up this conversation. It is incredible how much talent has has left Georgia's defense the last two seasons that have gone on and been first-round draft picks and all that. It's incredible how many play in Philadelphia now. Um, but you look at this depth chart, man, you, st you still got names, right? I like to play the name game. Names I know from recruiting, obviously, yeah. from watching them on Saturdays. I mean... You got uh, Jalen Walker. You've got uh, Small Munden. Uh, you still got Javon Bullard, who's there. I mean, it, it, I guess it's just the luxury of of you know recruiting well year after year, and of course being a winning football program right now. It's really just plug and play. What's what's kind of the story for Georgia's defense entering this new season? I mentioned earlier. I think interior defensive line is probably a story. You had Bear Alexander transfer, no. who was kind of thought to maybe be the guy that was going to step in and get a lot more snaps on that interior defensive line. And so obviously Jalen Carter, you know, gone. And so you're, you're looking at guys now like Nazir Stackhouse, you're looking at guys like Zion Logue, and you're looking at guys like Warren Brinson, all three of which have been in the program for some time. And all three of which I think have been really solid players, but none of which meet the name game criteria that you were just playing you know like as you read through the georgia depth chart you're never gonna stop at warren brinson's name yeah um but so will that be a will there be a relative lack of star power there as opposed to response on the defense you, know, you got malachi stark who was a true freshman last year playing on the back end at safety he was just all just burst onto the scene as a as a true freshman at safety put Javon Bullard next to him who came on late last year. Everybody remembers the the hit in the Ohio State game that he made, but he mm -hmm. played he was the only Georgia player in the secondary that played well that entire game. Georgia secondary got torched. Keely Ringo got torched. Everybody in that game got torched by Ohio State. But Javon Bullard played great the whole year. You return him, he might be the most underrated returning prospect for Georgia this year. And then the linebackers, you return all three. You've got yeah. a lot of talent at linebacker. And it seems as though you go all the way back to Alabama. And I know Tennessee fans are all too familiar with Bull Cup Kirby and all of the things that he has done over the years. It you you go all the way back. And games are won in the trenches, yes. But when Kirby Smart has had elite linebackers. Kirby Smart has always had unbelievable defenses. And that's been true of Georgia as well. You go to Roquan Smith, obviously, 2017, took that team to a national championship game. And then N'Kobe Dean and now Jamon Dumas-Johnson, you, you've had elite linebacker play. So the question is, will they be able to stand up against the run on the interior? Because I think the pass rush will be better for Georgia than it was last year. I think the secondary, which is crazy, even without Keeler Ringo and Christopher Smith, I think the secondary could be better than it was last year. I think the linebacker play 
100% will be better than it was last year. So the the big question is, will teams be able to run up the middle on Georgia? Because that's the other thing about Kirby Smart. If he can't stop the run, his defense really struggles. Everything is predicated on that for him, and he believes in that 100% in shutting down the running game and then taking your chances on the outside. And so will they be able to do that with a regular you know, you know, three, four down linemen? That remains to be seen, I think. It's going to be a big game. It's going to be at Neyland Stadium. going to be in the month of November, Tennessee and Georgia. And uh, I think every college football fan is going to be excited to turn on the television, watch that at 3.30 on uh, mm-hmm. on CBS, and uh, take in what we hope will be a great football game. Georgia Absolutely. on its quest for a three-peat. Tennessee trying to play spoilers in the regular season and see what can happen. And uh, for all the best Tennessee coverage, you know where to find us right here. But also, if you want to know, if you want to get the scouting report, on Georgia kind of going into the season or maybe one day in the fall when they're they got a big game coming up and you want to get a quick scout go listen to Daniel and uh you know the the, he's the host he's co-host of Locked On Bulldogs they do a great job over there it's a a great place to find your coverage for Georgia if you need it your scout your early season scout uh Daniel appreciate it as always man thanks so much absolutely happy to be here